Welcome to the Sunday morning podcast from Kingdom Faith Church in Horsham. This message is by Clive Urquhart. God's been working during this year in who we are as a church. And we've had this theme through the year of breakthrough and breakout. And in order to see breakthrough, there needs to be a, a breaking out of God in our lives personally to then see him break out around us. During this autumn, we've been specifically looking at what does it mean to live like Jesus? How do you have a relationship with Jesus? What does that mean to relate to others? What does that mean in our witness to others around us? How do we live like Jesus in our thoughts, our attitudes, our hearts, our motives? Because God's purpose is for us to be like him. As he is, so are we in this world. So we're his hands and feet, we're his eyes, we're his heart here on earth. And we know that this kind of run up to Christmas, this Christmas season is called Advent. And there's three parts to Advent. There's the waiting, which is eager expectation. There's the watching, which is looking for what this season is all about. And then there's living ready, being ready in all the daily decisions, choices that we make to see what God wants to do fulfilled in us. Now, we're going to unpack that for a few minutes uh, this morning. And next week, we're going to focus on what does it mean to live ready in the purposes of God? And this morning, we're just going to look at what does it mean to watch, uh, to wait and to watch and so that we are living ready. Can somebody just bring us three chairs up? Is that OK? Sorry, I didn't warn you about this one. Three chairs, just to help us again. How many of you love the three chairs? Yes. How many of you know what they're for? How many of you are excited that there are three chairs on the stage? That'll do. It just helps me. I don't have to walk so far then. Thanks. Brilliant. Now, how many of you know what this chair is for? Okay, Rachel, five points. Uh, this is before you know Jesus. This is, without, this is somebody who lives without relationship with God. We all started our life here, okay? God's intention was that we never stayed there, but we always came into this kind of relationship. What's this chair called? Okay, the great rest. That Jesus said, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. So Jesus saves us out of the power of sin, death, the enemy, pain, shame, guilt, all of the things that control and affect our lives. He saves us out of that into rest, rest for your souls. Because here we're chasing after everything to try and find fulfillment in our souls, to try and find the reason why I'm here, the next thing, the next this, the next that and the other. And when you get those things, you still realise there's something missing. And so Jesus saves us out of the rat race of life going after the things that we think are going to satisfy. And he brings us into the real reason that we are here and alive, which is relationship with him. The place of rest for our souls. Because we found peace with God. Because he's dealt with everything that separated us from God. Now, how many of you, uh, this is where you want to live all the time? In a Three of you. How many of you want to live here in a moment by moment relationship with God? Now, how many of you know what this one is called? Self. Now, what's it like living there? Uncomfortable, horrible. What else? Lonely. 
stressful, desperate, desperate. Sad. sad, heavy. How many of you want to live there? <clears throat> no, you want to live here, right, in the great rest. So <clears throat> what does this mean to wait and to watch and to live ready? Now, this season is about... Christmas Day coming up, which is about the Messiah coming, Christ being born and God becoming man and coming to earth to bring his kingdom to earth so that what he can do is bring salvation to mankind. But in reality, that's happened 2000 years ago. So we're not living for the 25th of December. We understand the season, but we're going to take some of the principles of the season and and we're going to transplant them now as to why we're living the way we live now with an expectation of the return of Jesus coming again to fulfill everything that he's going to fulfill. That's what we're going to focus on. So when we look at the word wait in the Bible, the word wait means to wait is to have eager expectation. The word wait in the Bible, when it talks about waiting for God to fulfill his promises or waiting for the Lord or wait upon the Lord, it is not a passive waiting where we sit and do nothing. How many of you know the great rest is a rest from your own efforts and your own uh, way of trying to do things? So you're resting from yourself and you're abiding and remaining and living in Christ and living in him. So there's loads of activity here, but it's God activity. There's loads of activity there, but it's self activity. That's why we get frustrated, annoyed, upset, angry and and offended and all that kind of stuff here. Whereas here, there is no offense. Here, there is no guilt. Here, there is no pain. Here, there is no trouble and angst and strife because it's a place of rest from your souls And it's a place of rest as a believer where we're not living soulish lives. So when God talks about wait, what he's talking about is eager expectation. Now, there's two types of things we're going to look at this morning. One is who we are in Christ, the promises of God as to who we are, that we live in fully now. So who I am as a child of God, who I am as a son of God, who I am as, the inherit, as, as an inheritor of God's kingdom in me now. And what does that mean I have as a believer in relationship with God the Father, relationship with Jesus, and then having the power of the Holy Spirit in my life? It means all authority in heaven, Jesus said, has been given to me. Now go and make disciples. So Jesus says, I've given you authority. So this is a place of authority. Jesus said about the Holy Spirit to the disciples, you need to wait for the promise, the gift, that you're going to be clothed with power from on high. So when we're baptised in the Holy Spirit, we receive power to enable us to live the life that we need to live. So authority and power go together. In order, if you have authority, you have power. But you can't have power without any authority because power is connected with authority and authority has to come from somewhere that gives you power to be and to do what you're called to do in any given moment. Works in the world like that and it works spiritually like that. So this is a place of authority, a place of power. It's a place of release. So we know that in our lives, we are children of God. We're sons of God. We're we're inheritors of the nature of who God is in us and therefore there are things we appropriate in our lives now and can live in the good of. Shame is not part of living in the great rest. 
guilt is not, a, not what we live in here. So we can be free from, free from guilt, free from shame. All the things in our relationship with God that he wants us to have, we can live free from so that we live in him fully. But then there are the promises of God. And this is where the wait and the watch and the live ready come in. Because when God speaks about our lives personally, about the journey that he's taken us on, or he speaks to us say, as a church and he gives us promises that we're to walk in, he always starts with a promise and that's when the wait begins. Not the passive wait, but God gives a promise and that releases eager expectation on the inside of you because God has spoken into the circumstance. So you're living your life, you're, if we can put it this way, just look at it this way as well. You're sitting on, in the great rest, you're sitting in that seat of rest and you're walking in your life and all the way along, God has prepared everything that you're going to ever need in your life. Now, most of that you don't see, but it's there. And this is called the walk of faith, the life of faith. And the life of faith can only be lived in a place of rest because rest is where you trust. And you know, when you don't trust, you go over here, that's when you get frustrated. That's when it feels like your prayers are just hitting a ceiling because you're doing it in strife or unbelief or you're just trying to... Whereas here, there's an ease, there's a release here because it's a place of trust, this relationship with God. So we're walking in this, this life of faith that God is uh, uh, with us. And as we walk with him, he gives us promises, he speaks. And that releases an eager expectation of what he's going to do and what you're going to step into and what you're going to walk into. Because it's not passive, waiting turns into watching. Now, when you look at the word watch, there's three different meanings for the word watch when we look at what it means, depending on what scriptures you're looking at. In Habakkuk 2 verse 1, let's just quickly turn there for a minute. I want to read Habakkuk 2 verse 1. This is Habakkuk speaking here and he's in the middle of a situation where he talks about Habakkuk's complaint. He's having a bit of a moan to the Lord one particular day and the Lord answers him and he's, he's kind of moaning or praying or, or bringing to the Lord the state of the nation and what's going on and everything else. And the Lord answers and says, I'm raising up the Babylonians to come against you. And he kind of uh, wants to respond to that. But God speaks to him, okay, and his response is this, I will stand at my watch and station myself on the ramparts. I will look to see what he will say to me and what answer I'm going to give to this complaint. Now, the word watch there means to be a lookout. It means to stand in a particular place and look out and see what is going on. Uh, It's a place where... You are, it's a posting. It's not just a place where you've decided to stand. It's like a posting that God has told you to stand in that place and you're to look out from that place and see what is coming. You understand that? And so this is what he was saying. I will stand at my watch. I will, I'm going to be posted where God's called me to be. I'm going to stand there with eager expectation because God has spoken and I'm looking at what is coming. Are you with me? Okay. Then when you you go into Matthew chapter 24, there's uh, another use of the word wait there. This will all link up in a minute. So just stick with me. Matthew 24. 
today's really going to set us up a little bit for next week and what wants to say and then set us up for the new year and some things that are going to be happening in the new year. But let's have a look. Verse 42, it says here, Therefore, keep watch because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. Now, we know Jesus has come already, but we know he's going to come. Now, depending on your revelation of who God is will determine how you live, the decisions you make. Now, we all know that Jesus is, it's unlikely that he's going to come back today. There, 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 are, there are still some things prophetically to be fulfilled. So it is unlikely that he's going to come back today. But Jesus said himself, he doesn't know when he's going to, only the Father knows. So there's something about living ready that he could come today. He could come tomorrow. He could come whenever. We'll come on to that next week. But this is what he's saying here. Therefore, keep watch because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. Now, the word watch there means to stay awake. And it means to be vigilant. So if you're falling asleep or somebody next to you is falling asleep, just nudge them and say, Oi, this word's for you. It's talking about watching. So stay awake and do not fall asleep. <clears throat> okay. In there, it, this, so if you read it, keep watch, stay awake, stay alert and be vigilant because you do not know what day the Lord will come. But understand this, if the owner of the house had not known at what time of the night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and would not have let his house be broken into. The third meaning of watch there is to guard and to protect. So th this guy's saying, if I was watching over my house, if I was guarding and protecting my house, I wouldn't be robbed. So... When we look at the word watch in relation to waiting for the promises of God to be outworked, the word watch is really important. Now, we live in a culture and a society where everybody wants everything now. And patience is probably not one of the strongest qualities of our society and our culture at this time. And so there's a clash for us as Christians, because the world is constantly pumping at us all the time, you can buy it and have it today and pay for it later. Or you can act and do whatever you want and face the consequences later. That's a lot of the way a lot of people think these days. Well, I just want to enjoy the moment and if trouble comes my way, well, I'll deal with it if it comes. But hopefully it won't because we, we kind of live in the, a bit of unreality in some ways. But when you come into the kingdom, there's something different that we're saved into, or that we're saved out of. We don't just live for the moment anymore. We're not pleasure-centered people. We are kingdom-centered people who are living our lives focused around the promises and the purposes of God. So when God speaks to us, it releases waiting and eager expectation. Then he says there's three things that we need to do in our lives and how we need to be that then watches and moves towards those promises being fulfilled. The first one, as we've said, is when God speaks, he is setting something in place in our life. He is posting us according to his word and a promise to see something released and activated in and through our lives. So he's like posting us, establishing us, saying, I want to do something in you and through you. So here's a promise. Here's a word. Here's what I'm saying to you. 
then what we're doing is we want to stay awake and alert and vigilant because the enemy wants to steal, kill and destroy. The enemy works in the moment. Look at how you feel. Look at the circumstances. God might be saying that, but you don't feel it, do you? Because you don't see it. And so what the enemy wants to do is point you to the moment and say, it's not here yet. It hasn't happened yet. Look at the circumstances. Look at how you feel. Look at the facts. Why? Because he wants to move you from a place of rest and trust into a place of self, trouble, angst, unbelief, all of that. And so God speaks, eager expectation. He posts that in our life. He establishes that in our life. And then we begin to move forward by by being vigilant and watching over that word. And then what it says is we then guard and protect what God is saying because we know the enemy wants to do that, wants to steal it from us. So you might have had a promise to do with healing, for example. God has spoken to you. You know, that's it. I'm healed. But yet you might still have the symptoms. So when I was a kid, I used to have eczema really badly all over. I used to wear bandages and all over my legs and my arms. And, and um, it wasn't nice, was it? And, uh, you know, every, every morning, every night and even during the day, I had to undo bandages, cream up and put more bandages on and all that kind of stuff. And I used to pray every night when I went, went to bed. And one of my parents would come up and uh, pray with me. And every night I asked the Lord to heal me. I said, please, Jesus, would you heal me tonight? Would it be tonight? So that when I wake up in the morning, it's all gone. And I was just constantly, I had to wear bandages because I was just itching. I was just scratching my sleep and everything. And, and, um, and there was one particular night, I went up, got into bed, and I was waiting for one of my parents to come up. And while I was lying there, I just had this, these thoughts go through my mind. And now, I, I, you know, it was the Holy Spirit, obviously, but these thoughts went through my mind. If Jesus went to the cross or when Jesus went to the cross and took every sickness with him, that means he's taken this eczema with him. And this is the thought I had. So this isn't mine. It belongs to Jesus. So I don't have it anymore. He's taken it away. So if I don't have it, I'm healed. And that was, there were the thoughts that went in my mind. So it was actually my dad that came up uh, that particular evening. He sat on the bed and I said these are the thoughts I've just had and um, and he said yeah because Jesus healed you and so from that night onwards I didn't ask God to heal me again every night I just said thank you Jesus I'm healed and I don't have eczema anymore now I still had the symptoms but something had been activated in me something had been the word if you like had been released in me that it's yours now I used to, one of the things they used to do is, in the good old days of tapes, anybody remember those? Tape recorders and tapes, all of that, yeah. And uh, apparently they're coming back, I, I don't know, so I'm told. Um, well, I just used to listen to scriptures and, and, or just meditate on, on scriptures because I was irritated, you know, it was like all the time, just constantly scratching and all the time. And... So I used to have to lie there and I would just meditate on my peace I give you, my peace I leave with you, my peace. It was just, and all of that. I am the Lord who heals you. I am the Lord your healer. All of that kind of stuff. And, and I'm sure because of meditating on that, the word was going in and then that night God said what he did and that was it. Now I went into school the next day. I, I don't know, I can't remember how old it was, 10, something like that. And I went and said to all my mates, I still had bandages on that day. I told all my mates, I'm healed. I'm healed. I haven't got eczema anymore. 
What kind of response do you think I had? <laughs> and these, my friends looked at me and like, yeah, but why is your skin like that then? Why have you still got all those bandages on? And I said, oh, that doesn't matter. I'm healed. Because the reality on the inside for me was I'm healed. It's done. That's it. I'm healed. And when, when I was young, when I first, when I was a baby and, and my skin started to get all dry, and, and I can't remember when it was or what age it was, but my parents were praying and, and God spoke to them and said, when Clive is 14, all the symptoms will go. Now, I don't get that. And I don't know if they get that, really. Um, and so I, I, I don't know if you ever told me that. I can't remember. No, I don't think you told me that. And, but all during, while I was growing up, they constantly were, were going to different doctors, this, other, to try and ease all the stuff and to, to try and make it as pain-free as possible. And... Um, I didn't know that about the 14 thing. So for a few years, every night when I went to bed, I was like, thank you, Jesus, I'm healed. That was it. The reality of being healed was more powerful to me than the reality of the facts of what was going on on my skin. And uh, from the day I was 14, I think within about two months, something like that, three months, all literally everything just disappeared. And then my skin has been completely fine since then. Now... God's, the word was going in. When God kind of that moment, that rhema moment, if you like, the logos word was going in. I am the Lord who heals you. You know, by his stripes I am healed. All that kind of stuff. That's his logos word. And then there was a rhema moment where that was like, boom, that's it. I've got it. I'm healed. And so then what went on, that thanksgiving, constant thanksgiving, was being watching, vigilant, was standing against any lies of the enemy, say, you still got it, you still got it, because inside was stronger than what was on the outside. So there was an eager expectation, and I didn't know when. And I knew, well, I'm healed, but I don't know when I'm going to see it, but I'm healed. Now, what is that? That's called faith. That's called faith being outworked in the reality of our lives. So God has given everybody in this room promises in different ways, I'm sure. And what we do when God gives us a promise is we meditate on that promise because we want to stay in it, not out of it. So in terms of this eager expectation, this watching, there are promises personally, but there are also promises on a bigger scale that are to do with who God is and what he wants to do in terms of his return, in terms of what he wants to do in our nation, in terms of what he wants to do to transform the community, the nation or wherever, the bigger scale of things. And that's where there's a challenge in terms of how we live our lives as a prophetic people on earth. If we can use a phrase in Isaiah chapter 8, I think it is, to be a sign and a symbol for the people out there. So we're going to talk about that next week. How do we live ready in the now of what is going on? And how do we live ready and make right choices in our lives personally, but right choices to live as a prophetic people? Because that's who God's called us to be. God has called the church to live a completely different lifestyle than the culture that is around us. But we need a revelation, understanding of how does God see us on earth And what does he want to reveal about himself through us on earth that's going to transform the world? Does anybody want to hear about that? Come back next week. (laughs) 10 o'clock, Foundry Lane in Horsham. I'm not going to tell you now, so you come back next week. Um, 
Because what we're living in is not just about ourselves. There's a bigger picture, but when we have an understanding or revelation of who God has called us to be as the sons of God on earth, it, will, it revolutionizes the way you think, the way you live, the decisions you make, the choices, the way, the way you spend your money, everything, your focus, your priorities, and all of that. Because what we're going to hear about next week is probably a self-destructing message, self-destroying message. Is that all right? Do you want to hear that next week? Um, bigging it up now, it better be good, eh? <laughs> so this morning, what promises has God given you? What has he said that you're in eager expectation of? Maybe some of you got kids that aren't saved. Or they were, but they've walked away from the Lord. And if we can put it this way, they're living here. Not here at the moment. But God's given you promises. Maybe there's members of your family that aren't saved yet. God's given you promises. Maybe there's other things that he's spoken to you about to do with healing or restoration of something or other. And there are promises, but you don't see the outworking of them yet. Where do we see them being outworked? By living here. If we go here, we're never going to see them outworked. We just live in frustration. And that stops the promises being fulfilled. So what do we, how do we come back here? We talked about this the other week. We surrender ourselves constantly because we're all the same in the sense of it's pretty easy to go from here to here if we're not careful. Um, and so this moment-by-moment relationship with God means that we're aware of moment by moment, surrendering our minds, our thinking, the moment, a reaction, a person says something here, they react there, what goes off inside of us, all of that. We're constantly saying, right, I want to surrender that. I don't want to react to it. I want to surrender that. I'm not going to react to them. I'm not going to be like this and go there. I'm going to stay here. Why? Because I want to walk in God. I want to walk in his promises and I want to walk in the way that he wants me to, to see who he is work in and through my life that affects other people around my life. So just one other thing in early in chapter Matthew, uh, Matthew chapter 2. We see when Jesus was going to be taken up to the temple uh, just after he was born and they were going to offer a sacrifice for him. He was going to be circumcised. There were two people that, that Mary and Joseph encountered in the temple. The first one was Simeon. And when, they, when Mary and Joseph brought Jesus into the temple, uh, we'll just read it in Matthew chapter 2. <clears throat> uh, sorry, Luke, Matthew, Mark, Luke chapter 2. It says here, on the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise him, that's Jesus, he was named Jesus. The name the angel give, had given him before, or given them before he had been conceived. When the time of the purification, according to the law of Moses, had been completed, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. Every firstborn, uh, as it's written uh, in the law of the Lord, that every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord and a pair of doves or two pigeons, two young pigeons. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel. The word consolation there is basically he was waiting for the the salvation of Israel. Really, that's what it means, the peace of Israel, the salvation of Israel. So he had heard something from God He was living with an expectation and he was waiting for the day of salvation. And it says, 
He was waiting for the consolation and the Holy Spirit was upon him. He, it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Now, we don't know when he had that word or when he had that understanding. It was probably many years before that. And he lived for many years with eager expectation, knowing that he's going to see the Lord's Christ before he died. Verse 27, moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child, Jesus, to, um, to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory to your people Israel. Now, the, the parents' response was, um, was, they marveled. They were like, wow, you know, this guy was thanking the Lord for the fulfillment of the promises, but he was also prophesying something at the same time. So this guy lived with an eager expectation, then he saw that fulfilled, okay? Let's just move on to the next part of this, what happens. Um, then in verse 30, there was also a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of um, Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was very old and she had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. Same thing, consolation, redemption, salvation. She was living with the same expectation as Simeon was. And for her personally, in her life, she lived and set herself to see the fulfillment of the promise that had been given and her life, the way she was posted, the way she watched for the fulfillment was that she stayed in the temple night and day praying and fasting for years and years and years. Now, Simeon and Anna, they were intercessors for Jesus being born. They interceded for years for, for the fulfillment of the promise that God had put in their hearts that they would one day see the fulfillment of that. But they had to set their lives in a way that was going to see the fulfillment. So they had to, their lives had to be set apart and fasted in the way that God wanted them to in relationship to the promise that they were going to see outworked. Now, there are promises that God has given you individually, but there may be some things you need to respond to that set your life in a certain way that are the preparation to see the fulfillment of that promise. There are promises that God gives to the church to see what he wants to do in the world and in the nation, but there are fastedness and prayer in connection with those promises that call us to live a set-apart life. So everything that we've set up to this point is literally for this moment that will lead us into next week. So we're going to start 2019 with 21 days of prayer and fasting. And what I want you, to, you guys to do is between now and then is really ask the Lord, what does that fasting look like for you? Now we want to fast some food. Uh, food fast is, is a bit of a given really. 
So, you know, whether it's one meal, two meals, all of them, you don't eat anything or whatever, then, but ask the Holy Spirit, Father, what does the fasting look like for me at the beginning of 2019? Because God wants to speak to you during those three weeks that we're going to be praying and fasting because we're going to personally encounter Jesus. We want to break through as a church. And as part of all of that, we want to establish salvation for people that are lost. There's three things, personal encounter, corporate breakthrough as a church and a release of salvation for the lost. It's all connected, okay? But in in relation to that, there's a fastedness that God wants you and I to be living during those 21 days. Now, some of that will be food related and just ask the Holy Spirit, whatever he tells you to do, he will grace you to do it. There might be some other areas of fasting that he calls you to do. Maybe social media for 21 days or it could be not watching TV or, or something else. I don't know in relation to your, your life. And he might say, I want you to set that aside for 21 days and I want you to focus on who I am because of what I want to do in your life personally, but also because you're part of something much bigger than your own life. And there's things I want to do in kingdom faith that we are part of as a body that are part of then releasing his promises and his purposes through who we are. Yeah. It's like God is in heaven with his holy crank, if I can put it this way, and God is cranking up the temperature. He's cranking up what he wants to do. And he said, hey, Kingdom Faith Church, 21 days are being set apart, set aside, because there's things I want to not only say, but there's things I want to do. But it's going to lead to a different fasted life after those 21 days than we are living now. If our lifestyle after 21 days hasn't changed and and is the same as it is now, then there's no point having 21 days of prayer and fasting. Because it's not an event that we're doing. It's saying, Father... There's things you've said that you want me to set apart, set aside. Forget the chair for a minute. You want to set aside, not. And if those things are never picked up again in my life, no problem. No problem at all. So, for example, I don't know, I haven't got my phone on me. But uh, how many of you, when you have your phone in your hand, if you put it down, you feel like there's something missing in your life? Or if you haven't checked it in the last five minutes, you have a, oh, I need to check this, that and the other. If you have anything like that towards your mobile phone, you got something that needs sorting out in your life, just to let you know, okay? Um, what you're basically doing is you're self-medicating on something. There's a dependence on it. You might think that's a bit strong, a bit. Well, you are, because that's what's going on. If you can't have uh, hours and hours without looking at your phone and saying, what's going on, what's going on, what's going on? You know, la, 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 la. There's something in you that there's a dependence on that thing. There's something that medicates something in your soul that you can't do without. So it might be that God says, put Facebook aside, put Twitter aside, put Instagram aside, put all that stuff aside or whatever. And he might just say, the only thing you can do with it is text people so at least you can communicate or something. But I want you to fast it. I'm, if the Holy Spirit doesn't say that, then don't. But if he does, then, you know, you might not ever go back to it. Okay, so let's stand, let's stand together, shall we? Because it's half past 11.
Let's just stand together. Just close your eyes a minute. Jesus has already come. We're, we're looking forward to the Christmas season and celebrate him coming. And it's a brilliant opportunity to share the gospel with family, friends, neighbours and everything, isn't it? Because everybody's talking about Christmas and it's a great opportunity to uh, talk about the real purpose and reason for the season and everything. But we, all, but we know Jesus has already come. And that our lives are set after him. We're going after him. We want to know him more. We want to see him work and do more than we ever have before. There are promises that God has given you personally. Maybe God wants to revive some of those promises because they've, maybe they've gone aside a bit or, or they've been buried in some way or other. And God wants to resurrect those promises. He wants to bring them out of the dust or the dirt. He wants to bring them out of the basement. Uh, you know, back into the forefront of what he wants to do in your life. Maybe circumstances, facts and whatever else are saying, ah, oh, those promises can't be true because you've been waiting ages and nothing's happened yet. And yet you've understood, actually, I didn't realise waiting meant eager expectation. And there's a watching that I'm doing where I'm going to guard those things. I'm going to protect those things. I'm going to be looking out for the signs that show me God is at work. God is doing something. God is moving. God is, you know, and, and those encouraging things on the way. But that faith is an active faith. It's something where we take hold of the promises. It might be that you, you, you need to receive healing. And you say that testimony about the eczema that you had, uh, it was like, wow, I didn't, I didn't realise that God could speak like that and everything. Now, for me personally, it has never, ever put me off believing that God wants to heal people. I know that's God, God's will. And he wants to heal people now, today, in this moment. He wants to heal people today, later on, tomorrow, every day of the week. He's the healer. And I've seen loads and loads of people healed of all kinds of things. Why? Because he's the healer. It's not put me off. It's not been like, a, well, I, you know, if, did it make you angry with God? No, I, I never got angry with God. I just thought, well, I don't get it, but God's God. Somehow in me, it was like, well, God's God and he must know what he's doing. So I've, somehow I've just got to trust him then. That might sound a bit na naive, and, and, but it's childish, it, not childish, it's childlike faith. Not childish, but childlike, simple. Well, God, if you've said it, then I don't... Mary, when the angel came and prophesied over and said, you're going to give birth, she didn't go, well, I don't see how that's going to happen, mate. That's ridiculous. She said, wow, amazing. I'm a virgin. So can you explain then, if I'm a virgin, how am I going to be pregnant then to actually see this? That's going to be amazing. Can you explain that to me? She wasn't like... Um, Zachariah, who when told that he was going to have a son, he said, well, how can this be? I'm too old and my wife's passed it as well. That was doubt and unbelief. But she said, wow, I'm a virgin. How's that going to take place? That's going to be pretty awesome because I've never been with a man, but I'm going to be supernaturally pregnant. Wow, that's amazing. That's how God wants us to be when he speaks because God will give you promises that are beyond where you are now. He'll speak about things that are beyond your ability to fulfill them whether personally or in the church that, together here. In Italy, you guys, there's things God wants to do in and through the church there and all over the nation that are beyond your ability to fulfil. So let's just, just surrender afresh to the Lord, shall we? Any frustration, hand it over to the Lord. Any anger at the Lord, I've not seen this happen yet, I'm still sick, la, la, la. anything like that, Father, I just give you frustration, I give you the anger, I give you 
the gap there seems to be at the moment between what you've said and not seeing it yet. I give you the unbelief or I give you all the feelings of this, that and the other. Father, I just want to hand that over. I surrender afresh to you right now. I hand it all back to you. Father, I want to live in that place of not just waiting with eager expectation, but the watching where I'm going to guard that promise. I'm going to begin to thank you for what you've said. I'm going to begin to move forward in what you're saying. I'm going to rejoice with thanksgiving over those promises, over the things you've said about my son being saved, my daughter coming to know you, about my parents coming to know you, about that sickness, that ailment going. I'm going to begin to rejoice and thank you that you have already spoken that you are my healer. By the stripes of Jesus, I am healed. I'm going to begin to confess the word and speak the word and declare the word over my feelings, over the circumstances, over the facts. And I thank you as I declare your word and rejoice and thanks. I thank you at some moment, could be today, could be tomorrow, or whenever, you're going to rhema that word in me that goes, that's it, I've got it, that's it, thank you, Jesus. And, and, and that, that watching becomes a living reality on the inside of me because that's it, I've received it. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I just thank you that you would, in these coming weeks, speak to us about what the fasting looks like in our own personal lives. And I thank you during those 23 weeks, those 23 weeks, well, of fasting, that's a long time. Those 21 days of fasting. One of the things that the Lord said to me the other day is that he, he is going to speak to every one of us in the church in those 21 day, days about the next steps that he wants us to take during the year. The next steps in our marriages, in our families, in our workplaces, in our witness, uh, next steps in serving in the church or whatever it might be. There's going to be lots of next steps God's going to speak to everybody about. But because he speaks about those next steps, it's going to release faith. It's going to release that waiting, that eager expectation. It's then going to put, put a, uh, that watching on it. But then our lifestyles are then going to be lived around seeing those promises fulfilled, whether it's personally or what he says to us as a church, because the time is short, the time is urgent, the time is now for what God wants to do. And unless we move towards promises, you never see them fulfilled. They'll always stay out there somewhere. And so God promises, and as we move towards them, we reel them in by faith, if we can put it that way, and uh, in that way. So, Father, I thank you for what you've been saying this morning. I thank you for what you want to do next week when we come together, this living ready and what that looks like and means. But, Father, I thank you for what you're going to do in the 21 days of prayer and fasting, what you're going to personal encounter, breakthrough as a church, and then what we're going to see during the year of souls, loads of people getting saved next year and everything you want to do. Father, we're expectant for an amazing 2019. We're expectant for an amazing Christmas season, Father. What are you going to do in our families, in our friendships, those that we're reaching out to? Father, we thank you. The time is now. Today is the day of salvation. We thank you for that release of salvation over this Christmas season. Father, I just speak your goodness and your blessing over each one of our lives, over our marriages, over our friendships, over our families, over our homes, your blessing in our workplace. When we go into work this week, Father, we go in as a blessing into our workplace. The place is going to be different because we go there with your life, with your heart, with your compassion, with your love. Father, I thank you everywhere any of us goes, in school and college and whatever we do this week, Father, you are going to be there at work. 
because you're working in us and amongst us and through us. In all our traveling, wherever we're going, flying, driving, buses, trains, whatever we're doing, your protection around all of us, Father. I thank you that we are blessed when we go out. We're blessed when we come in. We have your favor on us and therefore we have the favor of man on our lives as well. Father, I thank you as we live in the great rest. It attracts the supernatural. So Father, I thank you for your power being released in us and through us today, this week, in our lives, through our lives, in our families, our homes, wherever we go. Father, I thank you. Enable us to witness this week, to see people healed this week, to see your life and power released this week. I thank you. You're no respecter of persons. You don't mind who we are. You just look for somebody that says, Father, I'm available. Whatever you want to do, I'm available. I thank you, Jesus, that we live this week with eager expectations of what you're going to do in your mighty name. Amen. Come on, let's thank the Lord, shall we? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Okay, so you want to say something? All right, everybody take a seat. Pastor Colin wants to share something. I just want to explain something about the eczema. Because it was a very unusual thing when Clive, he was just a baby a few weeks old, and God gave me this word. He will be healed when he's 14, when he has, (coughs) excuse me, when he has learned something for himself. And Caroline and I did everything possible to get him healed in those 14 years. We prayed relentlessly. He was surrounded by people being healed. Miracles were happening all the time in other people's lives. And so it was a, it was a great trial for him and, and to a lesser extent for Caroline and myself uh, that he, we didn't see the evidence of the healing. But what Clive said was was absolutely accurate. Once he had received that revelation for himself, if anybody ever said to him, how's your eczema? He would turn on them with some venom sometimes and say, it is not my eczema, it belongs to Jesus. But what we saw in those 14 years was God used that to transform Clive from quite a nervous, insecure little boy into a man of faith. And, and by the time he was 14, he had within him that faith that you now see in his life. So uh, I I've, I've say that because, you know, we don't want to think, well, God is going to give me a word where I'm only going to be healed in several years' time. No, we're always expectant of God's healing today. And Clive was, we never told Clive about the 14 years. He was always expectant of every day. So get that into your system, okay? Don't think, oh, right, I've got a word that sometime in the future. No, it's for now. God's purposes are always for now. Praise the Lord. And I thank God for all that he did in Clive in those 14 years and all that he's done with him since. Praise the Lord. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources from Kingdom Faith and our other audio and video podcasts, please visit www.kingdomfaith.com.